The LA Clippers made it three wins in a row with their new starting lineup, and this one was a little bit tougher. What were the keys to getting the job done even though the Clippers didn't play their best? We saw Devin Vassell return for the Spurs, which made the game tougher. And how about the play of the point guards? Russell Westbrook, James Harden, how's that coming along? And Greg Popovich doing something that we've never seen before from an NBA coach. Going to be talking about it all on today's Lockdown. We on a Street Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, born and raised in L.A. And in my 19th season as a Clipper fan, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I went live directly following the conclusion of the games from Wednesday night. And Locked on Clippers is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know what you thought of Greg Popovich and the incident that occurred that we're going to be talking about later. And, of course, the game in general. Who was your player of the game? Want to hear that. And I already know you guys are going to ignore everything I just said in the comments and just talk about the fact that I look like I'm 18 years old when I shave my beard. So I know the, the comment section is going to be filled by that. But, fellas, I just like the the clean feel of my face without all the beard. You know what I'm saying? It just feels like clean. And I'm, and I'm big on clean. And the Clippers have been playing pretty cleanly lately. Three straight victories since they made the change to put Russell Westbrook on the bench, it has caused much better balance in terms of shot distribution, touch distribution, and rhythm for our best players and allows James Harden to do more of what he's great at. And in this game, I thought we got good performances across the board. I thought Ivica Zubats had his third straight really solid game. I thought Terrence Mann had a very similar game to Monday night where his offense wasn't great, but his defense was exceptional. This game, he at least attacked some closeouts and got on the board. He had six points in this game. But overall, the Clippers, I think, you know, there's a stat going around that they're top five in the league in half-court offense and half-court defense. And half-court offense, I think that number is quite sustainable, especially with James Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George starting. But defensively, I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. When you look at the teams that we've played, even after the trade, the Knicks, they're not very good offensively. The Nets, their flaws on the offensive end. People question if Mikel Bridges is a number one on a playoff, on a, on a team that can really go do things in, in the NBA playoffs. You know, Can they make it even out of round one? Their offense is the problem, not their defense with Claxton and all those guys. And then we played against the Grizzlies, who are very shorthanded. The Rockets, you know, their best offensive players are Shingun and Van Vliet, so they're not necessarily world beaters offensively. And then you're playing against the Spurs, whose offense is pretty putrid. However, with Vassell, who was coming off the bench in this game, made it a little tougher to guard, and you saw that in this game. But I will say they're holding their own as of now. It's going to get tougher starting with these next three games, New Orleans, Dallas, and Denver coming to town. But the thing about those stats are they're in the half court. 
and the Clippers in transition are definitely not as strong since the trade. And defensively, one of the weaknesses is transition D, and I think they've been a little susceptible to that. And the one way they make it worse is by turning the ball over. And if you're wondering why this game was so close, you know, only a 109-102 win for the Clippers. And this is a Clipper team that was up by as many as 18 in the fourth quarter, 88, I'm sorry, 96 to 78, and only ended up winning by seven points. And that's because they kept turning the ball over throughout the game. 11 in the first half, and it's it was everyone. I mean, they had 16 total in the game, but James Harden, Russell Westbrook in particular, were not really taking care of the ball. And it's funny that I mentioned those guys because it was those two guys that had a combined 16 assists and zero turnovers in the last game. And in this one, they were turning the ball over. Even Kawhi made... His one turnover was a bad read in the pick and roll. Terrence Mann had a lob pass that was just in the air for what seemed like an eternity. And, of course, an NBA player got a steal. Norman Powell, who sadly went down with an injury and didn't play the second half, a groin injury. And I'm actually going through a little groin injury myself through playing basketball. And uh, I can tell you, it's, it's annoying and it lingers. So hopefully that gets well soon and he can play through it soon enough. But Norm had five points in this game. In the 14 minutes that he played, he was doing okay. Had a four-point play, missed the free throw, but another Norman Powell getting fouled on a three-point attempt like we saw in the last game. But I think what you really saw in this game for the Clippers that started things well is that it was a wire-to-wire win, and the defensive intensity is what got that going. And that, those are my two favorite words to use. I always look at what we're doing. And the ball pressure of Terrence Mann and Kawhi Leonard in particular to begin the game was really great in terms of tone setting. Terrence Mann was guarding Jeremy Sohan, and he was doing an incredible job in the first quarter, locking him up. And then Paul George was guarding Keldon Johnson. I I thought it would be the other way around, honestly, because I thought that Keldon would be used in more scoring situations, so Terrence Mann would be better to fight over those screens. But it was actually Sohan that had the ball more, so it was a good decision to put Terrence on him. And then Kawhi, both games as a primary defender, he handled Wembanyama used his strength to push him away from the basket and not allow many easy shots for him. And we were switching two through four on that. So Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Terrence Mann all took their cracks on Wemby. And we were doing a very solid job. And in the first quarter, we held the Spurs to just 14 points. So even though we were turning the ball over a decent amount, you know, 26 to 14 was the score after one because we were shooting well and we were defending well. So as far as... How we started well, if it's a Zubats, you know, I talked about a second ago, he had his third good game in a row. Well, I thought that part of that is because the Clippers got him going early. First play of the game, Kawhi Leonard hits a pocket pass, bounce pass to Zoo, who goes up with the left hand. Couple plays later, Zoo spins over his right shoulder and shoots a left handed jump hook off the glass. And again, when you see the strides that Ivica Zubats has made when it comes to finishing with both hands, You know, you got to reward him. You really got to reward him as a teammate. That keeps him engaged. That makes him better offensively. And I always say this about Zoo. You can tell in his body language what kind of time he's on, what kind of Zoo you're going to get. Are you going to get the Zoo that's staying down on a lot of shot contests, that's not the first to get up to rebounds, that's not blocking shots with authority, that's waiting too long to go up at the basket, that's throwing it down? 
which one are you getting? And in this one, we got a guy that's throwing it down, that's blocking shots with authority, that's putting a hand up on everything, that's rebounding and looks like balls, loose ball, I'm getting it. That's my ball. So we saw a better zoo, and I think part of that is just empowering him with those early buckets in the beginning of the game. And speaking of somebody else that was aggressive in the beginning of the game, Kawhi Leonard. Catching the ball and going to work, whether it be in the mid-post, coming off screens, getting fed by James Harden. He was aggressive. He was looking for his shot. And I love that the change in the starting lineup, without surprise, has caused Kawhi Leonard to pick up his aggression. Second straight game where he shoots over 16 shots. The reason why I use 16 is because that was the shot attempt maximum that he had before the last two games since we got James Harden on the team. Now two straight games with 17 shots, and in this one he was uber efficient. In my opinion, the player of the game. 10 for 17 from the field, and what I like is, you know, he didn't have it really going from three tonight, two for six, or on Wednesday night, two for six from three, but he was eight for 11 from two. Mid-range game on a trillion, made all four of his free throws, and was 10 for 17 overall in his 36 minutes to finish with 26 points, four rebounds, four assists, and two steals, and only had one turnover on a bad read in a pick-and-roll situation in the first quarter. As far as Paul George, didn't say much about him yet. I thought that in the lineup with Kawhi, I'm sorry, with Russ, Towards the end of that first quarter, he started getting going. He had two threes in the first, two threes in the second, and those were actually all his threes in the game. It felt like he was told by members of the coaching staff or members of the analytics department to just fire him up. because This always happens with Paul George where he's shooting well from three and the team encouraged him to shoot more, let him fly, get 10 three-point attempts up a game. But there is a tendency, in my opinion... For Paul George to get too three-point happy and take too many contested threes just because they're like, oh, well, the math will work out because you'll make four out of ten of them. But I personally have a belief, and I've had it for three years, that the Clippers shoot a good percentage from three in the 2-1-3 era because they take the right ones, because they don't overdo them, because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have a three-level attack, and they're not predictable. So I don't like – I thought Paul George took a little bit – one, one or two threes too many, in my opinion. If anything, I thought I counted three of them that I didn't like. That I didn't like. They're just contested, uh, not really in rhythm. Just felt unnecessary, and that we could have gotten a better shot out of it. But overall, I liked how aggressive Paul George was, especially in those minutes. He had 16 points in the first half, and he had 24 in the game to go along with eight rebounds, three assists, and two steals. He did have two turnovers. One of them was a live ball turnover that caused the Spurs to go on a little 5-0 run. When we went up by 17 in the first half, they cut it to 12, and Ty Lue called a timeout. So Paul George wanted to take care of the ball, but two turnovers, not the worst thing in the world. I'll take the eight rebounds and the two steals. He was 8-for-23, though, from the field, and 4-for-12 from three, so just 33% from three, and 12 of his 23 shots coming behind the arc to only four free throws. I'm not a huge fan of that, and I think against a better team, that might get exploited. But overall, when you get your duo to combine, your two best players to combine for 50 points, you'll absolutely take that. And a fun fact, this is the first time in any regular season that Kawhi and Paul George have been on the Clippers together that they've played 13 consecutive regular season games. Knocking on that wood, and I'm going to keep knocking because that is amazing to hear that they've not only not missed one game, they're going to be tested this weekend with a back-to-back coming, but they've played 13 straight. The only time they were even close in the regular season was the first season they were together. 
They played eight straight games before the stoppage and then four consecutive games in the beginning of the bubble, which made 12. The most they've ever played together without interruption was 13 straight bubble playoff games. So if they suit up against New Orleans, which they should be on Friday, then they will break that. So it's a good time to be a Clipper fan right now. We have a freaking super team. And if you, I'm sorry, but James Harden looks like a star to me. I've always thought he was a star. You know, people want to debate if Westbrook's a star. I'm not going to leave that to you in the comments. But this is a super team. I don't care what anybody wants to say. And it's starting to come together. Does that mean they're guaranteed to win the chip? Not necessarily. But it's not time to talk about that. It's time to talk about three straight wins that the Clippers have gotten. 109 to 102. They're starting to build good habits. And coming up, going to be talking about the point guards. James Harden, Russell Westbrook. All right, so the Clippers winning it 109-102. They sweep the season series over the San Antonio Spurs. How great does it feel to say that? After all the years of the Spurs kicking our butts and kicking the butts of everyone in the West, now we get to sweep them. It feels so good. Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, Boris Diaw. Manu Ginobili, as of course the great Charles Barkley says, take that. You know, I put the caption of the first segment of this episode, three of them, but I meant three in a row, but we'll take the three and oh, I meant three wins in a row, but we'll take the three and oh against the Spurs too this season. Let's talk about the point guard play though, James Harden. You know, first quarter, I thought he had his good and his bad. He had a am- <laughs> second straight game where he's put Wemby in, in the blender. Um, he had a moment where he was literally took 20-plus dribbles, but he did create really great space on that step back. And then he was creating some good shots for Kawhi, as I said, in the first quarter. Had a solid first. Second quarter, though, when he came back in, not so great. I thought defensively in the first quarter he was decent. Second quarter, I counted seven points that you could count uh, James Harden was at fault for. One of them was a bad closeout. Devin Vassell blew right by him for a bucket. Then he was guarding Devin Vassell, and it was an and one. And then there was one where Daniel Tice, and I forget who were putting the pick and roll, and Tice was expecting a rotation, and it was non-existent. But here's the thing, right? Even if Harden does rotate, unless he steals the pass that's coming into Wemby, James Harden against Wemby under the basket is not going to mean anything. Same with Russell Westbrook under the basket against Wemby. But Westbrook, the one thing I'll say about why he's better at rotations, he's quicker on it, anticipating it, and he just he, quicker anticipating gets there quicker and oftentimes has hands that are ready right when the guy is catching the pass. So James Harden, I've noticed so far, his rotations underneath the basket are non-existent, really. And even if he does rotate, he's not contesting, he's not jumping, he's not taking a charge or anything of that nature. But in the third quarter, that's when you really saw, got to see the genius of on-ball James Harden. Seven assists in the quarter. Some of them were like, for example, the first one he got to Kawhi where Kawhi kind of spun and did most of the work. Then there were other ones where James had a behind-the-back pass to Zoo on the pick-and-roll. Then there was another one where he threw an outlet. Second straight game he's done this. Over the top to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, amazing pass. Behind half court he threw it. And Kawhi dunked. And Kawhi, he was so aggressive in the third quarter. you got to love it. He had 13 points in the third. Seven straight points on Jeremy Sohan to begin the quarter. But, you know, part of the reason why the Clippers, after going up by 17 in the first quarter, and I got to say, that brings me into Westbrook. 
I don't like how we have Russ and Harden continuously playing together, and we had several stretches in this game of it, and I'm going to talk about that. But, for example, the first one, towards the end of the first quarter, it was fine, and one thing that's going to help this is Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice being a little bit more of a spacer and also having that floater down pat more so than Zoo. Zoo is more of a jump hook guy. But Tice is very comfortable taking that one-handed push shot from like 8 to 10 feet away that you saw Russ do a lot with Steven Adams or combined with Steven Adams for and OKC. We can have more of that with Tice. And you saw the connection between Westbrook and Tice growing in this game. Two times in the beginning of the fourth quarter, Russ found Tice in the pick and roll. And there's a couple of times where Russ found Tice trailing on the break, and that created some offense for the Clippers as well. So... Part of the reason also this game was closer was that the San Antonio Spurs just played better defense. You could see part of the reason why Harden and Kawhi made bad reads in the first quarter. I was watching on TV, and if I'm not seeing where the clear read is on TV, then you better believe they're having a tough time seeing it when they're playing against that length and size and athleticism of NBA players. So the Spurs' defense was just better, straight up. But, you know, it's funny that the I talk about the Russ and Harden lineup. The first couple possessions of them in together always result in like when Russ touches the ball, like him looking to shoot right away, catching it off the ball. Then there was a couple plays later where he hadn't really touched it. His first real touch, he comes up and just tries to attack and miss before even making a pass. So just feels like he's kind of pressing. And then the second Harden goes to the bench, Russ kind of gets to do his thing again. But the Tice-Norm-Russ lineup with Paul George in the beginning of the second quarter was doing some good things. You know, Russ hit a mid-range. He drove and kicked a couple of times. PG was on fire, and we went up by 17. But again, the turnovers, and that's from Paul George. That's from Russell Westbrook. You know, two times Russell Westbrook threw the ball ahead on a fast break, and it was just two passes that were just very, like, you really think that that's going through? Like, you really think you're going to get it in that tight of a window? Like, even the great Magic Johnson, or maybe LeBron James even, can't, is, aren't going to complete those passes. Like, I think Westbrook, sometimes he just has a little bit too much confidence with his passing ability. I, I love the confidence, but it's like, dude, some of these passes don't have a chance of going through, really. And, yeah, that's what I have to say on that. Uh, he throws, I love the pace that he has on his passes, but sometimes he just throws them a little too fast. You know, a little bit a little bit softer on the follow-through, Russ. A little softer on the follow-through. Follow-through is for passing, too, ladies and gentlemen. But overall, I thought Russ's impact was pretty good. You know, he, he missed a couple of layups going full speed. He was three for eight in the game, but he had a all-around stat line. Eight points, six rebounds, seven assists, two steals. Definitely increases our pace. Um, the four turnovers, though, tough. And that's not just him. James Harden had four turnovers as well. Russ had, was three for eight. I like that he only shot one three, and it was a corner three. I like the shot selection better. Two for two from the line. So you like to see that, and he played 27 minutes. Harden had 16 points, 16, I'm sorry, 16 points, six rebounds, nine assists, a steal and a block. As I said, four turnovers, three for seven from the field. So they combined for six for 15, the two of them, and two for four from three. And those threes came from Daniel Tice in the third quarter. One, Tice got an offensive rebound and kicked it out to Harden for a left wing three. Then another one, Russ brought it down, went to the paint, drew two, kicked to Tice. Tice made the extra pass. Harden knocked down the three, and that was in the midst of an 18-2 run towards the end of the third quarter. So James Harden, awesome third quarter, seven assists in it, 
And it was huge because the Spurs were, you know, catching up. They ended the second quarter well because we were turning the ball over too much. We were struggling to play defense without fouling. And you started to see Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson get into the game. Then in the second half, it was a lot more Wemby, you know, and Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell started making some shots late in the game. But you got to give credit to guys like Zoo, who continue to play D all game. Even P.J. Tucker, who gives you nothing offensively, and he's even starting to pass up open corner threes. His defense is still good. I'll give him that. His defense is still good. He was guarding Wemby well. Daniel Tice, I thought he was super active on the glass, but he just missed a couple of shots. Didn't shoot any threes in this game. He had a mid-range that he missed, and he, he just didn't shoot very well. Four for 11 for him, but get this. Eight points, 11 rebounds. Five of those offensive rebounds. So he had more rebounds than Zoo in six less minutes. And he had four assists. So he continues to find the open man and make good reads in the short roll. He was plus 12. Four for 11. Overall is not great, but eight points, 11 rebounds in 20 minutes for your backup center. You'll take that all day. Tice, Tice, baby. Clippers won the third quarter 28-22. to The Spurs won the second and fourth quarters. The Clippers won the first and third. Terrence, man, I thought, as I said, he was really, really, I mean, offensively, he attacked closeouts. He had four free throw attempts, made two of them, was two for five from the field, and those were in transition. One on a steal where he went all the way and dunked. Another one on a leak out early in the game on a really solid pass. I forget from who. Paul George had a really nice pass to Kawhi early in the game on a leak out. But Terrence played 23 minutes, six points, two rebounds, one assist, two steals, and a block. Just doing a little bit of everything, and you just see how much better he makes the starting lineup. And I think Kawhi's played much better defense since Terrence has been in the starting lineup. Because now Kawhi doesn't have to spend as much time guarding first and second options. And with Harden being out there, he's even, I mean, the whole objective of getting having a point guard that's going to have the ball in his hands like Westbrook or Harden was to have... Kawhi and Paul George have less on-ball responsibility. And even more so than Russ, Harden's going to have the ball in his hands because he's a better pick-and-roll guy. So then that's even less touches for Kawhi, which will conserve his energy maybe even better. So Kawhi, 26 points as I said. You get double figures from Harden, Kawhi, and Paul. No one else though. But someone I want to talk about coming up that came in for Norman Powell, the brewmaster. Amir Coffey. Going to be talking about that, the closing moments of the game, and then Paul, I'm sorry, Greg Popovich taking the microphone from a PA announcer in the middle of a game to say... All right, so the Clippers winning this one by a score of 109 to 102. Clippers... Not doing a good enough job taking care of the ball, in my opinion, in this game. Just missed some shots. But overall, the defense was strong. And they shot 46% from the field. 32% from three, not great. Nine for 28. 76% from the line, 22 for 29. And I got to say, I mean, Terrence Mann, two for four, that's not great. But James Harden, I didn't even mention this. He shot three for seven from the field and two for four from three. And he got to the line 12 times, which is way more than anyone else on our team. Expect that to be a theme. But he made eight of them. So he shot 66% from the line. That's pretty rare for James Harden. And don't expect that to continue. But overall, solid performance by him. All that matters is when we win, right? The starting lineup change was necessary. Everybody knew that, and you're starting to see why. But you you get 16 assists again from Westbrook and Harden. You'll take that all day. Two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. You'd want a little bit better than that, but 
in a win, I'm not going to complain too much. The guy that came in for, by the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned Zubats' stat line, but 12 points, 8 rebounds on 5 for 7 shooting. You'll take that all day. 26 minutes of play. But how about Amir Coffey, who got 10 minutes, came in for Norm, and was playing really well. First meaningful minutes he had gotten this season. He dove on the floor for a steal, finished in transition, attacked a closeout and stopped and popped from around 8 feet. 4 points, 3 rebounds, a steal, 2 for 3 from the field, no turnovers, and he was a plus 8 in 10 minutes. Amir Coffey instead of P.J. Tucker? Is that an option? Or is he too small? He helps our defense out, and I'm never opposed to that. And having a guy that can attack closeouts, and if he can get his three-point confidence back, he'd be a perfect piece next to Harden and Kawhi and Paul. Maybe even Russ, because Amir is actually one of our better transition players. If you go back to the 2022 season, he can finish on the break. But anyway, the Clippers win it 109-102. Ladies and gentlemen, in this game, we had an incident that, and oh, by the way, I actually, before I say that, I got to talk about why it was, part of why it was going so bad at the end. Westbrook and Harden sharing the court together. Look, when Westbrook's on the court with Zoo and Harden has the ball, it's the spacing's just bad. Like the spacing's just bad and even with Russ and Zoo and no Harden, but when Harden has the ball, that puts Russ in more off-ball situations, and that's not great. That's not great. It's not ideal. What you want with Westbrook bringing the ball up uh, with Zoo is quick hitters to Kawhi and Paul, maybe throw it to him, maybe Westbrook sets a screen. Sometimes he'll go to the corner, but what you want is the ball in Russ's hands with Zoo out there, you know, initiating plays. Now, the thing is, you kind of have to have Harden and Russ play some minutes, though, because if you only use Russ when Harden's not in and you have Harden playing 30 minutes, then that means Russ only gets like 18 minutes. So what's the formula there? How do you best maximize them? With Norman Powell, so you play Kawhi at the five? That's too small. Or Terrence, and you still play Kawhi at the five? Like, there are some issues to address in that regard, but that's food for thought for later. Let's talk about the incident. Kawhi and Pop. So in the middle of the second quarter, or I should say towards the end of the second quarter, when Kawhi was shooting a free throw, and mind you, ever since Kawhi's return to San Antonio, they've booed him because of the way he left. Um, you know, obviously the quad tendinopathy started that year and you had the conflicting medical reports between the Spurs medical staff and Kawhi's personal medical staff. You had Tony Parker coming out and saying I had a worse injury and I came back and all that, you know, kind of questioning his integrity. And it was the first time you'd really seen the Spurs, who are this model world-class organization, questioned. And when Kawhi won the championship in Toronto after doing load management, that made the Spurs look bad for the first time in the pop R.C. Buford era, like really looked bad. That, oh, maybe they fumbled on this. Maybe they were unreasonable. Maybe they did not trust the player's body or what the player was saying. Because it kind of was under the impression, like people were under the impression that Kawhi was, that was when the whole reputation started of him like purposely sitting out games and not caring about playing and stuff like that. Uncle Dennis. So the Spurs fans still feel that resentment. Even though he won a championship and won finals MVP, so, like, for me, you know, growing up in L.A., Laker fans always said, if you win a championship for the Lakers, you're love for life. And with all the teams that I have that have won championships, there's only one player, and it's for my favorite soccer team, that's won a championship, and I don't like him because he spoke, took weird, subtle shots. Not even subtle, like blatant shots at the team after he left about how they weren't big enough or they weren't as big of a brand, basically. But Kawhi Leonard's never said these words about the Spurs. I, I think they're a little too bitter. But here's the thing, right? Greg Popovich goes up and says, can we stop booing these players and just enjoy the game? We're above that. 
you know, we're not like that. Let's we have more class. And you know how the Spurs fans responded? <laughs> Booing even louder. So this is gonna be my piece on this. Do I think the Spurs fans are unreasonable for booing Kawhi Leonard? Yes, I do. Why do I think that? Because he won the championship for them. He was not the best player on the team by any means. He was in 2016, 2017. Absolutely. When they won the chip in 2014, he was not the best player, even though he won finals MVP. That is a fact. That is not arguable. Go back and watch the broadcasts. But he had the best series in a finals and guarded LeBron and won finals MVP for the Spurs. He is a legendary Spur. He is in the all-time Spurs in 2K. He still had one of the higher peaks of any Spur of all time in that 2016-17 season where Zaza fell on him or you know, landed underneath him. For them to boo a guy that's won them a championship is crazy on every touch. I mean, it's wild. But again, here's where I have to step back. I'm not a Spurs fan. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what that experience was like. There might be things that I don't know about. I didn't cover that season like that. I saw it from a diehard basketball fan's perspective that was like, oh, what's going on with Kawhi? It's different when you're a fan of that team and it's happening every single game. And to be fair, we've had some fishy situations with Kawhi and his medical diagnosis and the staff versus his staff as a clipper. So I can understand some frustration. At the end of the day, though, I like that Pop is defending our guy because now he's our guy. And he's doing it because he won a championship. If it was not a guy that won a championship, I don't think he'd be doing that. But here's the thing. This isn't the YMCA. This isn't AYSO. This isn't the, the park. This isn't the Boys and Girls Club. This is not even high school sports. This is professional sports. Kawhi Leonard's getting paid $45 million. You can't police fans. It's not Greg Popovich's place. He thinks because he's the god of San Antonio, he can just tell them how to feel. No, 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 no. These people did not shake Kawhi Leonard's hand. They did not talk to him every single day like Pop did. So it's easy for Pop to say, oh, let's get over it. It's, I mean, I can't speak for the Spurs fans. They have every right to feel how they feel and boo him if they want. And Kirk Popovich cannot tell fans that paid their hard-earned money to stop booing them or stop doing this and that. No, because a lot of those fans were probably there before Popovich was even arriving in, the, in San Antonio. A lot of them probably did. I've never been to San Antonio. I don't know. But there's got to be fans in the stands that have been there for longer than 20 years. It's normal. So that's my take on it is I like that Pop set up for our guy. I think it was it showed what kind of guy Pop is, but it's not his place. This is not YMCA. This is not youth sports. He's Kawhi Leonard. He chose to leave San He forced his way out of San Antonio. So they can feel however they want. Do I think it's unreasonable? Of course. But I'm a Clipper fan looking from the outside in. I got to keep, you know, I got to be level-headed here and think about what it's like for a Spurs fan. But you know what's like for a Spurs fan? They're rebuilding, and we kick their booties two times in a row. Three in a row, baby. Let's go. And now we got New Orleans on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say at this time uh, to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it with your families, um, whoever you celebrate it with. Appreciate this team that we have right now that has four future Hall of Famers on it, all of which came from Southern California, where a lot of you guys are all from that have the best chance to win a championship for the Clippers ever in terms of sheer firepower. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have a streak right now of games played. 
Things are starting to come together. And the Clippers have a freaking super team. Three stars and then some with Westbrook. We got Russell Westbrook, a former NBA MVP, coming off our bench. Players of Russell Westbrook's caliber did not want to come to the Clippers 10 years ago. Actually, 10 years ago, we, we started to get good. So let's go with 15 years ago. Westbrook, I only want to come to the Clippers. James Harden. I'll sign to the Clippers for $4 million. Russell Westbrook. I would rather go to the Clippers and the Lakers and not play with LeBron, Kawhi Leonard. I'm willing to go away from Russell Westbrook and the contract I just, fat contract I just got in, from Oklahoma because I want to go back home and play for the Clippers, Paul George. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for the three-game winning streak. Be thankful for the sport of basketball. And be thankful for anything that brings you and other people together, including this stuff for us. You know, I'm very thankful for this platform, for the people that locked on, that have given me this chance. And for everybody that goes behind the scenes and making Locked On Clippers possible and Dime Dropper possible and all of that. So love you all. Stay safe. And go Clippers.